You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Now, the Go Wild app has added some really cool and exciting functionality to their app. And the first one I want to talk about is the Near Me function. And basically what this does, it allows you to engage and connect with people in your area. You guys can talk about gear. You guys can talk about hunting areas. You guys can talk about what's going on in the woods. And it just allows the users to be more of a community and connect easier. The second part is the gearbox. And what the gearbox is, it is a an opportunity for the users to not only see reviews on products and see what the go wild community is using in the field what products they're using but it also allows you guys to purchase up to 150,000 products there's you, there's a shopping function on it so Check out the Go Wild app. If you haven't downloaded it to your phone yet, you need to, and you can do that at any app store that is currently available. Go Wild. It's an awesome app. Check them out. This is the Houndsman XP Podcast. Good dog, get that bear. Get that bear in here. The original podcast for the complete Houndsman. The podcast that represents our lifestyle of extreme performance. Get up here! Yeah! 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 Good boy! Good boy, Ranger! Uniting houndsmen across the globe, from east to west, north to south. You know, if you're going to catch a cat or a lion, you know, you have to have teamwork. We take you to the wildest places on earth. Yeah, so how many days how many days a week can you spend out As much as I can to be honest with you. Anytime that I get I'm I'm out there. Join us for every heart pounding adventure on Houndsman XP. I'll tell you like I tell everyone else, I'm gonna hunt whether you're here or not, so you might as well be here. <laughs> We are going international, folks. We are going across the big pond. We are going to Liverpool, England, and the home of the Beatles. We are going to talk to Scott Allen. Scott is a photographer, and he has got a lot of interest in lurchers and groundwork dogs. So we are going to talk about how they're hunting those things over there and uh, take you on a few hunts and describe a few hunts for you. But Scott and I got to know each other because we were supposed to go to South America and participate in a Jaguar study down there. Of course, that got canceled because of the uh, COVIDs, and I could go on a whole COVID rant right now, but what good would that do? 
But anyway, we're going to talk to Scott about hunting in England, hunting in France, hunting in Ireland. He's been over here several times uh, and photographed working dogs here. But uh, Scott Allen is a sporting dog photographer. He's got some incredible photos. I encourage you to go check him out on uh, social media. And you're going to hear how to find him on social media. Scott's going to let you know all of that. We have also have a big announcement about Freedom Hunters. Stefan Kitschka has come on board with us and is going to help me coordinate some hound adventures. Houndsman XP Adventures and Freedom Hunters are stacking, I mean, we are stacking up the applications for uh, houndsmen that are stepping up and saying that they want to give back to America's heroes and our warriors. Freedom Hunters takes veterans from field to field. It's super easy to get involved with this program. You can reach out to me or Stefan, and uh, we will get you rolling on paying back the people who provide our freedoms for us. America's warriors, our veterans, and several opportunities there for you to get involved. Super easy. Don't worry about it. We will help you out on this thing. Let me talk to you about Paws Are Protected. Paws are protected. Build your ground from the ground up. And if you join us on Patreon, you will get 20% off of your entire purchase at for Paws are protected and at their website, Dogs Are Treat. So don't forget to uh, visit our website. Check us out on Patreon for as little as $1 a show. You can sponsor this show. We're doing monthly drawings every month, and you're going to win prizes from people like Melissa Stevens-Nash, who hand makes collars and leash combos she gave one of those away this month in our patreon drawing uh, best hound dogs best gun dogs jared moss and cavalier leather is making handmade collars we've got pyro putty gift certificates from them uh, phone scope cooler tray scoped industries all those companies are stepping up and helping us provide a quality show for you uh stick bow outdoors you just heard bart hog last week come on here and we talked about the hound log and the canine records and you can find those products online on facebook at stick bow outdoors or go to stickbowoutdoors.com and right now you can get 10 percent off of your entire order at stick bows with the code hounds 20 Hounds 20, capital H-O-U-N-D-S 20. And you can get 10% off. If you're a Patreon member, we're going to send you a code for 20% off. So we are stepping up our game. We can't tell you how much we appreciate the Patreon supporters that we have and the, the uh, sponsors that are backing us and helping us make this the best podcast for Houndsman and the Houndsman lifestyle. Without any further delay, as always, thank you for your time. Thank you for spending it with us here on Houndsman XP. And here's Mr. Scott Allen and the HXP crew. It's obvious from, from uh, your accent that you're not from these parts, Scott. We got Scott <laughs> Allen with us from the uh, uh, United Kingdom. He's a, uh, I'll just let you introduce yourself, Scott. Right, um I'm a field sports photographer. I tend to photograph working dog sports rather than shooting and stuff like that. Um, it's not so much as a, a big business over here. 
working dog sports being mainly a working man's hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not in terms of money, there's not much money in it. However, it's something that I'm passionate about, and that's why I do it. Um, I apologise in advance for my accent, and hope everyone can understand what I'm saying. And I'll do my best to slow down, as I am very aware that <laughs> I'm very aware that us people in Liverpool talk fast. <laughs> Liverpool, <laughs> England, is where you're coming from. You know, I was joking, is. Yeah, I was joking with you before we recorded. You know, the problem is. You know the Brit British just butcher the English language so bad, we <laughs> yeah, just can't we just it. can't understand it. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Liverpool's a um, a relatively small city in comparison to what you guys have over there in America. Um, people know it as the home of the Beatles. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone into anyone into UFC may know it for the home of Darren Till. Oh yeah. Outside <laughs> of that. Outside yeah. of that, um, we're a relatively small place. Now, do you live in town or are you outside of town? I'm sort of on the outskirts, so what you guys would call the suburbs. And within five minutes, I can be in countryside. Um, within 10 minutes, I can be smack bang in the city centre, surrounded by the big buildings. Nice. Okay. So, how, do you know how many people live in Liverpool? I, um, I don't off the top of my head. Um, okay. I think we're I think we're something like the fourth or fifth biggest city in the UK. So we're, oh, we're, wow. not, okay. we're not the biggest, but we're not small. Yeah. So you're so talking. So it says five hundred and fifty-two thousand. Yeah. So there you go. Good old Google. <laughs> five hundred and fifty-two thousand. That's a that's that's a lot bigger city than than uh, what I live in. Bear Branch has well, a, Bear Branch has about. Uh, I think 85, 85 residents. So yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a bit more than even, or a bit less than even where I grew up. And I thought I grew up in a small town of five thousand. Yeah. So, wow. And I'm just the big city girl over here, <laughs> but not so much, from? not so much anymore. Um, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, and it's uh, it's the biggest city in in my state. Um, I have no idea how many people live there, but Google it, it's also, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I know Brookfield, the suburb, like you say, that I grew up in was like 66,000. Yeah. Okay. Population of Milwaukee, 600,000. Oh. Okay. So pre- pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Well, all right. Liverpool so, and, and Milwaukee are running neck and neck. Sister cities. Yeah. <laughs> but which one has more beer drinking? That, that would be a good question. England. England? <laughs> it's gotta be. <laughs> I know I mean, that Wisconsin's like the beer capital of America though. Yeah. We're known as Brew City, which is where my kennel name comes from. Um, Brew City Blue Hounds. And nice. there are so many craft breweries and even big breweries like Miller Brewing Company or Miller Coors is what it is now. Um, huge plant there. I mean, yeah, we drink a lot and I think we drink not just a lot of things, but the amount that we drink in one sitting, (laughs) 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 who knows? (laughs) Liverpool's, um, it's known for its nightlife in a a sense. A lot of people come from outside of Liverpool just for our nightclubs and stuff like that. So we do have some sort of nightlife and drinking culture ourselves, but 
Yeah, yeah maybe, but not, the, maybe not as big as Milwaukee. I don't but know. The best. Liverpool's known worldwide, you know, and Milwaukee may be, but I, I bet you more people not, have heard of Liverpool than they have Milwaukee. I <laughs> yeah. agree. I definitely, definitely agree. <laughs> but I think I think we can all agree that running dogs or working with dogs is probably more fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So Scott, it's a lot. You and I. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Scott. You and I had. We were supposed to record this podcast in person. Uh, yeah. We were planning on being in uh, Nayarit, Mexico, this fall, chasing yeah. ja- jaguars, and. Uh, uh, the whole COVID-19 pandemic, we didn't really say it, but I think we all know that it's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm completely in agreement. It's, um, it was something I was looking forward to so, so much. And it's just, it's soul crushing to know it's not going to happen, but there's always next year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and your purpose for going down there was to photograph because you're a professional photographer. Um, I'm... I'm semi-professional photographer, so I actually have a, a day job. Um, I'm responsible for the security for some of the biggest banks and biggest shops in the northwest of England um, and North Wales, like as a day job. And I just chased this career as a photographer in my spare time. Um, and then that was the plan. I just wanted to go over there, see, see the blue ticks working, see, yeah. how they work, see how they work the Jaguar, really. I, I don't think there's anyone in England who will have seen that, um, anyone in Britain. So that was that, that was so of, awesome. yeah that was on a huge interest um, and so and I was as I said I was looking forward to it immensely but unfortunately it's just not going to happen this year. Yeah, we need to keep that keep that rolling though and try to maybe do that next year if possible. Most definitely because that would if, be if a, you need that would be an awesome trip. Lauren, what you got? If you need a translator, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth and Lauren. Even, Seth, I even managed to sort out, sort out a translator for the trip, but unfortunately, that, that they're just as good as me. So Seth and Lauren speak fluent Spanish much better than my hillbilly Spanish that <laughs> I that I use to communicate with uh, you know my roofing crews and stuff like that. But uh, I, actually, Lauren, I could use a, a either one of you, you or Seth, to translate on a daily basis here and. Indiana. We don't need to travel <laughs> I wasn't to Mexico. Gonna, I wasn't going to cut you off, but fluent Spanish is an incredibly generous word to use how I speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Your so wife, it perhaps. Is, it gets fluent. by. I have Spanish that gets by. You know what I mean? Right. Speaking yeah. of um, translators, recently when I was in Utah, um, I was traveling with a French guy, and every mcdonald's or whatever we stopped at he was having to translate me no no one understood what i was saying (laughs) i just think it makes you sound classy yeah just roll with it (laughs) i don't think i don't think anyone in um, anyone in england has ever said that we call ourselves scousers um we've never been called classy in terms of our accents (laughs) what what do they call you from liverpool scousers um Scouses. Scouses. It's not not a shit. It's scouser. Okay. It's just my accent butchering it. Um, and it just comes from a, a dish we've always had um, called scouse. Huh. Uh-huh. Okay, I was going to ask you where it came from. Yeah, and, and it's just stuff. We all, we all call ourselves scousers. We're all proud to be scousers. 
Yeah. That's awesome. I think uh, New Mexico has a no accent or like super flat, boring. But, you know, it'd be cool to come from somewhere that has a neat accent, I think, just because it gives you a sense of community. But we're boring here, so. Yeah, Seth, Seth, you you don't sound like you're from anywhere. Like, but people can pick me out of a crowd. Right. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a such thing as a, like, main or like Maynard accent, Maine, like from the state of Maine. And then someone was like, oh yeah, they sound weird. And then I listened to one talk and I was like, yeah, I guess, yeah, the North. And I heard you, Lauren, and I was like, yeah, there is like a Northern accent a little bit, but I, I live in such an insular world in New Mexico that all I hear is Spanish and flat English. So yeah, I just think it's all good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, Scott, the reason the reason we're talking to you, a couple reasons I wanted to talk to you. One is the amazing photography work you do uh, in in dog sports, and um, you've got a you've got a Facebook page which is under your name, Scott Allen. But you've also got uh, what's your what's your business? So it's it's my initials S A, and then it's Field Sports Photography. Yeah. Um, and- yeah, field sports over here is just what we call like all types of hunting and fishing. I don't know whether you guys use the term over there. Yeah, field sports. Yeah. Field sports. I think a lot of what I think of when I hear field sports relates to like gun dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's a more generalized term over here. It's, it just relates to anything and everything that involves us being out hunting and fishing. Right. So. What what camera do you particularly like the most? I know they suit different because I also take photography, but not at any level that you're at. <laughs> Mine's <laughs> a lot more rudimentary, but it is what has allowed me to eventually make my way to this seat right now where I'm talking to you. Yeah. Um, what kind of camera do you use? I'm currently shooting with a, a Canon body, uh, EOS R, um, and then I've got that paired with various different lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that EOS R is really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's fairly new out. I'm I'm thinking of up, upgrading it to the next one. The um, oh, that, the sweet. only thing I've found with it is is it's not the best for the action photos. Mm. Um, but they've just upgraded it to one that maybe seems to be a little bit better for the action photos. So that's certainly something that's playing on my mind and thinking about doing that. Do you think Do it's you, just because the shutter speed isn't fast enough? Or, yeah, or it's definitely yeah. the um, the frame rate. I, I think I have. Um, around about six frames per second. Mm. Um, I can go up to twelve, but you you suffer in terms of your tracking ability on, on what, sure. you're, what you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that, use... that's why. I'm, sorry. No, no problem. No problem. My bad. La- Lauren's I, I was using a, a the Nikon good, D. Lauren's a pretty good photographer as well. So I, <laughs> as soon as you're done, Seth, I'd like to hear what you know Lauren has to say too. She she takes some amazing photos. Yeah, I was just going to add that the Nikon I'm using has a really fast shutter rate, and mm-hmm. I use a 75 to 300 mil action lens with the like vibration reduction, which yeah. really allows me to capture those really high speed dogs and really nice. I have some really like I can't believe how smooth they came out because I'm also getting pounded by a buggy in a lot of those, and so uh, I think I got lucky with the Nikon on its action setting. I'm a I'm a brute. I'm just using the action setting auto. <laughs> <laughs> it just does it all for me. Um, it's well, kind of hard to do on the fly. And, and it's kind of hard to do all the manual settings when, like, especially me, I have so many changes in light and things. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I'm, I kind of run the same setup as Seth. And I'm, I'm getting good pictures with decent light. 
but I'm not having really good luck in low light situations like in the evening or even at night. Um, so that's that's where my struggle is. Yeah. What 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 can what um, camera body is shooting with? Uh, just a Nikon D thirty five hundred, and same lens as Seth, and it, it's it's difficult because if you want the right lighting, you've got to be ready to pack all that in to the tree, and you don't know when you're going to be running to the tree or how long you're going to be able to stay there because we're handling dogs, making sure the bear doesn't come down when. <laughs> We don't want it to come down and yeah. and stuff like that. So it's there's so much to prepare for that I I am not I I'm not savvy about it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Me <laughs> so it's yeah. it's the trying that counts. It's it's the it's the being out there and capturing the memories that count. Right. True. Right. My wife, she was really adamant about bringing my camera out for years, and because I big game hunted a lot before I got into coursing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Ah, eh, it's just something else you got to pack and blah, blah, blah. I started taking the photos. Finally, I relented. I, I can't, I feel sacrilegious going out in the field without my camera now. Like, I mean that with all my heart. I look at those pictures every day and it's just a, un, a scrapbook, which is kind of something new I've never done before. But I look at my scrapbook all the time. So the yeah. camera is amazing. And so I, I really respect when there's someone who's a super high level photographer like you, that's actually art behind a camera instead of i feel i'm just kind of dumb luck and i'm kind of accuracy by volume if you you know what i mean i'm just taking hundreds of pictures and only like 10 are really good well i um, i appreciate them kind words i wouldn't say that i'm a super high level by any means i i look at my photos and i, I pick them to p- pick them apart i i can find so many problems that i that i want to improve on it every time i go out um, well we're all our own worst critic yeah <laughs> And that's what Photoshop's for. <laughs> I want to circle around back to this, uh, circle back around to this uh, scrapbooking that Seth is doing. I've got I these. I was going to say something, <laughs> yeah. but um, you so, can go ahead, Chris. So, are you like in some kind of scrapbooking club or anything like that, Seth? <laughs> so, what I typically like to do is put on my dress and uh, my <laughs> my monocle, and I like to just sit down with like a. A nice book club, like a NPR, fresh air in the background while I... <laughs> no disrespect to NPR. I love NPR. No, anyway. No. Where do you get your your um, your um crafty parts from? Like, do you go to, like, Joanne Fabrics or... Exactly. Exactly. So, so I'm a, <clears throat> I, uh, I like a lot of Hobby Lobby action. <laughs> yeah. Are you so, serious? My, you know do what? you do that much? I'm, do you, like, um, put these little frilly borders around pictures and stuff? No, 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 no. Okay, every listener listening trying to diss on Seth Hall right now, I'm going to put a picture of my scrapbook on on this episode. You can see it, everybody. It's a very masculine scrapbook. Sure it is, yeah. <laughs> like, can't you just say, like, I like putting photo albums together? Yeah, no, that's dog? all it is. It's photo <laughs> albums with descriptions, so when I look back on it in 35 years, I'll be like, yes, that was pronto, and he was very powerful. Like that kind of stuff. Right, right. So yeah. pretty much, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I was a little hesitant to say that on, on air, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man. I'm going to stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Hey, it's your, I'm gonna it's nit- your dress. You wear it however you want. <laughs> I don't tend to um, do a scrapbook as such, but I do like to print off and put, put my favorite images up on my wall, um, especially from trips like, like to Utah and places like that 
Uh, I, saw, I sort of see it as, as my trophy hunting. You know, mm-hmm. I get to go over and I get to be a part of this. With, with dog work, it's not about the final kill who, who pulls the trigger. You know, for me, it's about being out and seeing the dogs work and working them dogs. And regardless, yeah. regardless of, of who it is pulling the, the trigger, I'm still I part think- of that hunt and I still want my trophy. And for me, these images that I take home and I put on my wall, they are my trophy and they serve the same purpose in 30, 40 years' time. When I look at that picture on the wall, I'm still going to remember everything about that trip. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And more houndsmen are, are like that now, Scott. Uh, you know, we've treed, I don't know how many bears we've treed this spring and summer, but uh, we haven't shot a single one. We've shot several with the camera, and uh, it's that's just part of it. You know, that's, that's as rewarding as... Uh, you record your hunt. The memory is what you take away from it, you know, and when you yeah. have that, that photographic image that you can point back to and, and uh, that's pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. So let's, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about uh, hound hunting and, and uh, particularly, Scott, the types of dogs that you personally have and the things that you're hunting. I recently saw this big epic photograph of uh, several rats out there, so uh, laying out. So let's talk about some some dogs that you're hunting and the, the types and and things like that. Yeah, so currently myself, I've only got a lurcher at the minute, and he's a Saluki Greyhound crossed with a Deerhound Collie Greyhound, basically. Um, so he's, he's predominantly Saluki and Greyhound blooded, and then that last little bit is just Collie and Deerhound. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. He's now, what is he? He's now seven or eight years old. Um, I've I hunted a fair bit with him when he was a, at a younger age, but as he's as he's getting on, and as I need to put more time into my career and stuff like that, I'm not hunting him as as hard as I probably should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, as I'm still getting out, I'm still doing a, a lot in terms of the the ratting, as as you've just alluded to, um, and I'm seeing I'm seeing plenty of different different breeds of dog working, which is what, what it's about for me, seeing all these different types that you usually wouldn't get to see. Um, so on, on that on that particular day, um, which you just mentioned, we had out Bedlington Terriers, we had Sporting Lucas Terriers, which you might not be familiar with over there. We had Plumber Terriers, uh, again, you may not be familiar with them. We had a Border Terrier, and we had a Patterdale Terrier, as well as a pair of Jack Russells. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's... It, and, and of course, my lurcher, um, who, who may I add, does not like ratting one bit. He tends to just stand there, looking, <laughs> <laughs> stand there looking like he hates me for being there. But he's too. Chris, you and that rat have a lot. In, are you and that dog have a lot in common, yes, Chris? You, I know. And I, I hate rats. Um, I've got a big long story about all that. I've told it on another podcast. But but uh, me and your lurcher would be standing back watching you guys catch rats. That's for sure. <laughs> No, I'd be down I've, there. I've got a friend that got three Patterdales, and one of them's named Rhonda. And uh, those things are crazy. Yeah. They're so Man, intense. Man, it is, it is like a 50-pound dog and a 10-pound dog's body. Yeah. Not yeah. even. That's a, yeah, that's a good they are point, so feisty. Yeah. I've, um, I've seen a lot of different breeds out, like Ratten, um, without doubt. The most hardcore, the most flat out from the off. Um, the ones that are still going at the end is usually, usually the Patsdales. 
I've seen some good plumbers too, though. They're they're actually here. I've seen them in South Texas. Or I'm sorry, uh, North Texas. Some people use them there for like rat hunting and just all mm-hmm. around kind of farm dogs because they're not. Um, the the problem with plumeterias is you get you get a lot of bad ones for every good one you see. Mm. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say bad ones. You just get a lot of that. Um, the confidence get knocked by a bite, and they're maybe not as flat out after that. You know, I've, oh, been, I've been fortunate to see a couple that are flat out from the first minute to the last. One on one on that trip um, took took a nasty bite, which I, I posted a picture of. Not the actual bite, but a, a picture of the the bitch herself on, on on my um, Instagram. Um, yeah, you're not going to see Patterdale's backing down very much from a bite. I've seen those things take, you know, I haven't seen it personally, but I've seen the aftermath of some, some pretty intense duels with prey, and they they don't care at all. Yeah, they're, no, they're no. so gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've only got. I've only gotten bit by a field mouse. So these rats that I'm looking at <laughs> in these pictures look pretty big and pretty gnarly. Yeah, some of them are huge. Some of them are the same size as like a size ten chew. Um, <laughs> and that, that that's before the tail. Um, so yeah, Jeez. some of them can be, some of them can be pretty big. And we're in some pretty pretty dirty places. You get yes. some nice places like like farm contracts where it's just under cow feeders and like ni- nice little places like that. And then you get some nasty places where it's um, serious waste tips. Mm. And, See, and that's you, that's the part that I don't, I can't. You know, that's the part that just makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not really a germaphobe. I can go. I, I mean, I grew up on a farm and stuff, and that's just part of life. But you start talking about human waste and garbage and stuff like that. I mean, that's that's where the diseases come come from, and that that's just not me. You know. That's yeah. So what, did were you ever able to watch that micro dirty jobs TV show then? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have any problem with that. It's just that rat makes his living right Coupled there with rats <laughs> you know uh, that's just nasty <laughs> yeah yeah i'm amazed though. i watch i watch a lot of videos on online uh, about the plumber terrier like swarms hunting the rats that mm-hmm. i think severn valley ratters has a bunch of cool videos on youtube yeah. And those guys, they get down with a lot of dogs and that looks like a lot of fun. I really, if I go to the UK, I want to ferret. I want to, that would be very fun. I'd love to go ferreting. And I also want to just see a terrier swarm hunting rats. Cause well, I think that's super cool. Seeing as them two things are literally pretty much the only things we can do now with dogs. That, that would not be hard to organize. That's, that's, that's the mainstay of our dog work now. And then there's there's been yeah like you were talking about there's been lots of restriction on what what you can do um, in the UK and is it true that e collars have been um, electronic collars have been banned as well? I'm not entirely certain on that. Um, I, I I couldn't tell you 100 percent surely. I I know people are still using them. I um, I know they're still available to buy online. Hmm. Okay. So that that to me would suggest maybe not, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take my words there. Hmm. Well, I know coursing is essentially banned, except for I think isn't Ireland still and Spain obviously still coursing yeah. a lot, but yeah, yeah, I know in Ireland it's still going, and that's that's a shame. That's a real shame. I the, would have to move. <laughs> there's a there's a different outlook to the um, to the law in in America to to what there is here. So 
like when, when I've been in America and you guys follow the law and your laws are so sensible and they make so much sense. And as a result, you've got so much wildlife over here, just in 2005, just overnight, um, right. law abiding dogmen just became criminals. And right. like anything, you'd, you'd, you'd have a passion. And if someone just all of a sudden says to you, what you've been doing all your life is now illegal, it, it doesn't just stop. You know, right. you don't you, you don't just stop. It's 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 still very much going on. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, just go on sorry. underground. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's 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 underground, and and the, the the unfortunate result of that is a lot of um, bad rumors get spread about it. So now, when when people talk about caution, the it's it's spoken about as if it's some big money organized crime gambling event. <laughs> <when> in reality, <laughs> in reality, it's just a gang of men out watching dogs do what dogs do, you know? Right. Right. And and nobody nobody seems to interfere with that. It's 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 an unenforceable law in a sense because the farmers want us there. Yeah. Um, we want to be there. The farm the farm workers want us to be there. And there's no one on the farms but farmers and farm workers. So once you've got permission and you're on that farm who else knows? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's how that's how a lot of it goes on. Um, so I got a question for you. Uh, I, I was your your cross. Your hound has an interesting cross. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what did he primarily focus on in his prime? Did you do hair coursing with him? Uh, I I've done. If it was legal. <laughs> oh right, right, <laughs> I, 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 right, I, right. I, I, yeah, I've done pretty much the full spectrum of quarry um, here in the UK with him. Mm. Um, no doubt about it. I'm sure he would have took it took to it very well. Um, see, see. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, he would have been a you, natural. Yeah. <laughs> sounds uh, like a really good cross. I mean, yeah. sounds great. My, my my interest primarily is on the the edible quarry, um, so rabbits, hairs, deer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've done uh, I've done the teeth so well I'm I'm if <laughs> I'm sure if it was illegal I'd have done the teeth so foxes and and the the other stuff um, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it's not so we'll never know. That's what I love so, about Europe is that you guys have a really rich tradition of eating like hares basically. No one yeah. eats hares here, nobody. And I, I'm like in Europe this is a delicacy. What's the difference? Yeah. Now I've seen I've seen jackrabbits um, when I was in Utah, and I've seen our hares, and they are very similar. I think our hares are slightly bigger in terms of how they look in person. They are, um, yeah, they're a little heavier. Yeah, sure. I, I I I couldn't say I've tasted jackrabbit, but I do I do thoroughly enjoy hair. Me too. <laughs> I'm still waiting to try rabbit for the first time. So you never eaten like cottontail rabbit. It's amazing. No, I know. Well, and I'm um, actually going to a farm when I get home to learn about how to raise meat rabbits. There you go. So I'm probably going to get into this before even trying it because I know it's going to be good. Right. It's super good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Scott, do you think like kind of the whole thing in the UK is that they've approached kind of hunting differently than we have where... In our view, hunting is conservation, and that's how we manage populations and ensure that, you know, there are the right amount of each type of species and and things like that. And maybe it just wasn't managed correctly, and that's why things got shut down? 
I think without doubt, if we were doing things differently, if we'd have done things differently, then we would still be doing things. Um, you know, we've hunted otters to extinction in the UK. We've hunted boar to extinction in the UK. We've hunted beaver to extinction in the UK. Um, they've all, they're all now being reintroduced slowly. We've hunted pretty much everything to extinction, you know, wolves, mm-hmm. the, the most things to extinction. Um, I don't know how we would do things differently because I don't think the American hunting model, as much as I admire it and I thought it was fantastic while I was out there, I don't think it would work over here in terms of public land and stuff like that. Um, oh, mainly, okay. be- mainly because we have certain areas in the country, so... If I wanted to go out and get a big number of rabbits, I'd go to the Yorkshire Dales. Um, and that's everyone everyone in England knows that that's where the rabbits are. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go to the Yorkshire Dales now, even though it's not public land, you can't drive along the road without seeing two, three ferreters. So if, if that was public land and the, the rest of the country was also going there for their rabbits, it would just be it, it wouldn't be known for big for big rabbit numbers, if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. We're not, we're not so, as fast. so it's like the, they're, it, the respect level is kind of at a different level too. And, um, you know, you might not have people respecting bag limits and things like that, you think? Yeah, without doubt. Um, we don't have bag limits, limits as such. We can go out and we can kill whatever we want as long as it's within within season. Um, so that there's nothing stopping us in that sense. You know, where, where I'm from, Liverpool, we're sort of um, say like half of our half of our border is is the sea, mm-hmm. and then the other half is just land that gets poached by all the young kids who don't drive. You know, we we all like I done it when I was a kid. You know, I I wanted to hunt and I was too young to drive, and the only place you can hunt is the nearest countryside you can find. So the land surrounding Liverpool is practically devoid of life. I if I wanted to go out now and see. 10 rabbits, I, I doubt I would. If I wanted to go out now and see a fox, I definitely wouldn't, unless I really, really tried and had terriers or something like that to, to flush one. Wow. Um, we completely, like we used to have deer in Liverpool and we completely got rid of them. Only in the last five years, we've started seeing a couple of deer coming back. Um, but as Lauren just alluded to, we there's no respect with the, the lads are going out and they're, they're running the deer. And then they're not giving them a chance to breed, and they're not giving them a chance to build up a population. And if if we were to do that and let us get a population, then I'm all for it. You know, let them do what they want to do. But until until I don't know, it's just it's not going to happen. You can't you can't convince everyone. Right. Right. It would have to be a complete cultural shift, and then a massive education and re-education. Yeah. And and that just is a daunting thought yeah um if i if i want to do any sort of hunting in in england or in wales i, I can't i can't stay local i have to travel um and i've been doing that ever since i learned to drive at 17 you know i, I learned to drive at 17 and the day after i was i was driving three hours down south um to hmm. meet people and and that's what i've been doing ever since is just hunting all over the country and you know you, you got to do what you got to do if you want if you want to if you want to hunt you can't so do it locally. So true. Even here, I have yeah. to drive between one to four hours to get to where I need to go for really good rabbit hunting, and yeah, that's just the way it is. And do, do you know um, the the outlook on driving distances is so much different 
like here in the UK, if I take, if I say to someone, um, oh yeah, I drive two hours to go and hunt a load of rabbits, they'll think I'm insane. Whereas because of the vastness of America, I know full well two hours is you don't bat an eyelid as someone suggests in two hours. Yeah, that's just a country lane drive there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's even I mean, that's even uh, different in different regions of the United States. You know, here people regionally here when they start thinking about driving two hours to go hunt, I mean, they're they're they think, well, I'm not driving that far. They they just simp- that's a long way for where I live, but where. Uh, you get west of the Mississippi, you know, people, everything is two hours away, you know, it's, yeah. so it's, it's not that big of an issue. It's, it's strange how the culture in the United States is different in different regions. You know, two hours here is nothing for somebody out in, out in Montana. Yeah. But if you want, want it bad enough, you do it, you know, like to me driving two or three hours to like a night hunt for, UKC, you you do it and yeah, but imagine, now like but imagine if you if if you just wanted to hunt if you wanted to keep your dogs in shape and hunt and you had oh, to drive true. two hours, you know yeah, I I couldn't do it. There's no way. Yeah, that's, that's a you know different that's level how it, that's how it is. Yeah, that's how that's how it is here. It's um, it's 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 crazy if you if you're fortunate enough to live in one of the areas where you've got game. You know, there's there's some places in, in England that have got everything. They've got rabbits, they've got deer, they've got foxes, they've got hares, they've got pheasants, they've got everything. If you're fortunate enough to live in one of them areas, then all, all the better for you. You know, there's no reason why your dog shouldn't be unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the lads I know that are in them areas, the dogs really are. They, I, I love watching their dogs work. They, they really are unbelievable. Um, and, and, you know, that's all the more credit to the lads from the likes of Liverpool who are going out and they're getting... 100 head of foxes a year or whatever that you know that that takes some dedication and definitely you know that's that's not an um not not an easy feat by any means so scott i got a question for you bud tell mm-hmm. me what your favorite uk game animal to pursue with dogs is what's your personal favorite um it would have been yeah mm. you know I, I i think i don't think you can beat that i think it's um i think it's the ultimate you know? So break down a, a deer hunt with hounds pre-ban in the UK. Um, so with with I couldn't tell you what deer hounds with I couldn't tell you what deer with um, actual like running hounds in terms of you know what you guys would call like the the coon, the coon hounds and stuff like that. Um, we I think we just use foxhounds over here. I've, I've never seen that. But in terms of sight hounds, it'd mostly be you know you'd know an area where there's deer. Um, Possibly you'd be doing it daytime. You'd have someone in the wood bushing, you know, using some sort of beagle cross terrier or just straight terriers, something like that. And you'd have lads stationed outside. Um, and, you know, you'd, you'd only run one dog, two dogs. You know, it's not like you're running a pack. Um, you know, you don't want that meat damage. That that beats the whole point of running deer. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and they, they can be they can be quite good courses. It's not it's not easy. I, I, I'll, these the, the big animals, you know, we're, we're hunting fallow deer. Um, oh wow, yeah, that's big. You know, and they're, they're I've just had a Google. They're between forty six and eighty key. Oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty good sized deer. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know that's um, that's no mean feat for a, a fifty pound lecher or whatever. Yeah, so it, it, it takes it takes bottle. It takes um, it takes it takes skill. You know. Definitely. 
and 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 I mean, well, what's the country like? So you have a a, a combination of like sheep paddocks or or like fields with with surrounding woods, and yeah. so it's like kind of a patchwork of of fields and woods. I'm just trying to build a mental image of what a deer course kind yeah, of so looks like. Interestingly, um, deer don't tend to mix with sheep, so unless there's no sheep in the sheep paddocks, it's it's not often you'll get them in there. Mm. Um, so most of the time it's arable, arable land, so crop fields, gotcha. stuff like that. Um, so you'll have a, a couple guys and a dog, a, a small dog or two, walking around trying to flush. put 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 the deer up, or yeah, mm -hmm. like get it running. Yeah. And then there'll be guys stationed, like I'm guessing, out, right outside of the woods where the deer would cross and come out, ready to shoot. Not not shoot. They'll be, they'll be positioned where they're expecting the deer to, to come out from, um, and and you know they, they'll let the deer get to. They won't they won't let the dogs go as soon as the deer runs out of the field out yeah, of the woods because the, the, deer, yeah. the deer will just turn back and go straight back in the woods and you know no one wants to be running sighthounds through a wood where they're sticking up sticks and right. all, yeah. ma all manner of dangerous obstacles. Mm -hmm. So you'll, you'll let them get a bit of bit of leadway, um, and then you'll as Seth said slip the slide slip the sighthounds. That's awesome. I'd really like to see that. Where is that legal in Europe still? I believe it's still legal in Ireland where the caution's legal, um, but I believe it's frowned upon. Um, mm -hmm. But regardless of whether it's frowned upon or not, it's still legal and still happening. That would um, be so sweet. It's. I, I'm not sure whether it's legal anywhere in the in the states. Is it not? I think you can do it in Texas for exotic deer. So like um right. uh, like uh access deer and follow deer you could do it but the problem would be trying to get them into the open you know yeah. what i mean they're going to be in yeah. like thickets and you could drive them out that's a that's a good i need to go to north texas and try to make this happen yeah the, um, some other states that you can you can pursue deer with with hounds or dogs would be your some of your southern states mississippi still allows it virginia uh carolina carolina i i'm not up to date on all of all of my florida yeah, you can Florida's still deer dog. Yep, you can still deer dog in Florida, but then you're not talking about side hounds. You're talking about sin hounds because it's so thick that a side hound's basically going to be pretty ineffective in, yeah. in yeah. those areas. And and what we what we would have been flushing these deer from is going to be a lot smaller than the sort of ground you guys are going to be trying to flush deer from. We're we're talking like hundred yard by hundred yard square oh, patches, wow. of, patches oh, of woodland. You know okay. what I mean? Whereas you guys are talking miles and miles and acres upon acres of right. trees, you know. So it literally is like a patchwork. It's almost like a checkerboard. Mm. Yeah, our, our fields are nothing compared to what you guys have got. Our fields are like 50 yards, 100, 100 yards, 200 yards wide. Um, and then you've got a hedge line and you've got your next field. Wow. Um, that is so different. Yeah, I mean, here we're, we're coursing on one of our pastures we course on is, is 19 kilometers by 11 kilometers. Yeah. So it's huge. And I mean, yeah. 10 miles by seven, eight miles, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that so was, that's a that whole different main, ball game. That was one of the main things I noticed when I was in Utah was just how um, the likes of the blue tech coonhounds and the red tech coonhounds, they're just, as much as I like them, they would not be suited over here because you're you're letting them dogs out and we're driving three miles to the next, next track where you can get to the other side of that. And, you know, we've got 100 yards before you've got a road. You know, yeah. so you've got dogs dogs running across roads that aren't as quiet as these these tracks that you're hunting in Utah. 
That's so really we're talking. So we're talking about how small this patchwork is, and you know, dogs that could be running. Okay, let's say like even ratting dogs. Mm-hmm. How how would you call a dog off its quarry and, and stop the hunt when you needed to? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you don't. You, you can't. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, awesome answer. That's not happening. Okay, yeah. I'm just some, wondering, some, like, some people like have if, managed to do it with with sighthounds. Um, I've never wanted it from mine, um, be, just purely because if a dog's willing to stop, then it never really wanted it. Um, so in in my it, my opinion, it really doesn't get to like an unsafe, like, oh, that dog's coming to the road, mm-hmm. and there's potential traffic we we without sound without sounding like a, like a, like any sort of bragging the dogs don't like we're not we're not choosing slips next to the main roads we're not choosing right to to run our dogs in busy areas and you know our quarry shouldn't really be getting out of the field that we're running in nice. you know if, if you're running if you're running salukis um, then you know you you'll know yourself Seth, and how well they bend the quarry yeah, um, yeah, they're really good at that for sure. Yeah, um, what, what you know, would be the average just, speed of a vehicle moving down a road, a rural road in Wales? That might be a key um, to what we're talking about here. Sixty mile an hour, but okay. you'll probably get, you know, you'll probably get um, one car every five minutes or whatever. And these courses are going to last not anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're short. And and you're and you're you're also assuming there that the dog's going to be on the road for that. 20 seconds that that car drives past not even that but five seconds it's it's only a hundred yard field um so it's it, it doesn't really happen that often it does happen don't get me wrong um, mm-hmm. especially with the the, the, hair, the hair course and lads it's been known to happen um unfortunately but yeah i mean accidents you, you, happen yeah you can't you can't predict where the quarry's gonna sure. run it, well you see here you know uh people with coonhounds that there is just a guy posted on social media uh, a nice hound that was struck by a car uh, not too far away from here so it you know it happens here too and uh, it's not something that that happens every night but it's something that does happen so i've got a question so you've mentioned a few times that in ireland it is still legal to course have Mm -hmm. court and run coursing dogs so how difficult is it for you to go to ireland from where you're at, it's it's not difficult at all. I, um, I'm on the the west, the northwest coast of England, so literally on a clear day, we can probably see Ireland some days. Mm-hmm. Um, we have ferries going across every single day, so if if I wanted to, I could just hop over and and it's something, something I'm planning on doing um, this season. Actually, I've been I know a lad who hunts a little pack of these these cool little hounds called Petit Basset Griffin Bendines. Mm-hmm. Which are a French breed. They're only a little bit bigger than a terrier. Um, I watched them hunt maybe five years ago under a different huntsman, and he unfortunately moved on, moved them on. But I managed to track down where they went to and speaking to the lad. I'm hoping to get back out there this year. I'm looking forward to that. Um, hmm. they're, 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 a, they're a cool little breed, you know. They they, they work in a pack. Um, I watched I watched them. Like I was still on a hill watching them, and they, they sort of circled this hair, and then just like enclosed this hair, and just you know you get over there, and there's no hair left. It's a little tiny pack of arms. <laughs> 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 but it's um, 
it's it's something it's something special to see. You know, it's not it's not the sort of breed everyone gets to see, and it's not the sort of breed you know that'll ever be commonplace in working dog world. Mm-hmm. Say that breed name one more time. Petite Bassett. Petite Bassett. Griffin Bendine. Okay. Okay, so it's like a wire hair then. Yeah. Um, it's it's sort of like a. Do you know what a tackle is? Yeah. Yep. It's sort of like a tackle cross beagle. If I was to if I was to say what hmm. it looked like, that's what I'd say it looked like. Hmm. Yeah, you're not gonna say that name, that breed name, fast five times in a row. No. <laughs> no. no. I can't cool. say it fast once. I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so, so, I was just curious how difficult it was uh, if it was common to move back and forth between Ireland and and Wales there off of the you know off the one of the peninsulas if there were ferry services mm-hmm. or, or uh, things like that where it could be a, a deal where a person could have a, a side hound or a coursing dog and go to Ireland regularly to to run it. Yeah, it's fairly easy. We um, we import a lot of. Irish dogs um, mm-hmm. to England, Irish Irish course and greyhound stuff like that. Mm, the Irish greyhounds are really famous. Like yeah. a re- early lines of of American racing dogs, everyone really liked the Irish dogs. They have a lot of distance to them. They yeah. run far. A, f- a friend of mine imported one um, five years ago. We, want, we wanted to see just why no one was working them. Um, you know, it was interesting to see. Would I recommend them or run one again? I probably wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you know a greyhound runs like a greyhound and a lurcher runs like a lurcher, or right. or, or a staghound runs like a staghound, as you guys would, would call them. So, whereas you've got you've got these staghounds that will bend quarry and you know use use the brain and think about what they're doing. You 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 let go of a greyhound and it just runs as fast as it can at the quarry. The quarry turns. Definitely. The greyhound, the greyhound overshoots and then the I greyhound just repeats over and over again. Yeah, it's like they don't hot like so. We call track bred dogs here in America. We call them hot bloods, mm-hmm. and nobody hunts with those. Well, yeah. few people do, but they're just not good at hunting. They're too yeah. fast, like you said exactly. They just blast after it at full capacity, overshooting every time. And when you overshoot a hare, it's going to gain a huge amount of ground getting away because they're so agile. Yeah, that dog has to cover so much ground to get back on its tail, and they're not known for their superior endurance either. That's why, no. as you guys call it, bending. Um, we, I guess we'd call it tailing here, but like Salukis and, and Greyhound and Saluki crosses are so much better. They're masters at bending yeah. quarry like that. And it's beautiful yeah. to watch. It's beautiful yeah. to watch. We, we, in regards to Salukis, we, we call it um, boxing. So, you know, they're trying to keep it in, in a small little box out in mm-hmm. the middle of the field or whatever. And, you know, it's, I, I do like watching the Salukis do what the Salukis are bred to do. There's yeah. a, a gentleman I run with, an old gentleman, and he says, uh, when you get a, when you get a pack that's really boxing in a hair nicely, you should be able to throw a blanket over the entire pack right on his tail. <laughs> and so that's a kind of the kind how of big, the goal. How big's the blanket? Well, <laughs> I'm gonna say for my hounds, it's gonna be like a twin size, but maybe for other people, it'd be like a king size. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, you just wanna you. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, come on now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mine would be baby so, sheet size, like a basset, bassinet. There you, there you go. There you go. <laughs> baby blanket. I'm talking a uh, big game over here. <laughs> my my pack. Well, we we need something a lot bigger. <laughs> <laughs> a lot bigger. 
But yeah, I had never heard the term hot blood and cold blood dogs until um, the podcast with Scotty. Oh, you hadn't heard it from me even? Oh, you no. surely heard it from the, the sidehound geek, Seth Hall. You had to, you had to oh, well, have I heard ex- that. I explained it in my podcast. So, Lauren, okay, well, I, tisk, I, tisk. I, tu- I tuned it out. I guess I tuned it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my question is, I know when a dog's running, you want the least amount of equipment on that dog as possible. Yeah. But has, has anyone ever... Like, and Seth, you can answer this too. Has anyone ever put like a GPS unit on the dog so that you can like really actually like take a picture of that actual track that they ran? Go ahead, Scott. You can answer and I'll answer from the Southwestern perspective. Over here in the UK, they haven't. Um, That's not something, that's not something really anyone over here in terms of dogmen is interested in. You know, I've seen, I've seen a couple of videos of, um, one of our big TV channels, Channel Four, um, recently ran a film uh, about about travellers, and they they put a, a GoPro on a on a lecture that was catching deer. So that that video, even though even though it's illegal, that's what I was just getting ready to say. It's illegal, and you got a news station doing a story about. Yeah, it's, apparently it's okay if you if you Channel Four. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they done that. They videoed that. Um, but that that's that's all I've seen really. It's no no one's really interested in. Yeah, what, I mean, what I happened guess after the fact, other than what they remember of it and whether the dog ran well. Yeah, I guess you you can see the picture of what happened in your head and you've got that memory. But sometimes for me, like after a long bear race with mm-hmm. like just one of my dogs, I like take a picture of the GPS to remember exactly what happened and to see like the cool parts where like other dogs made a loss and she was able to take the track and stuff yeah. like that. A lot, a lot of what you're doing now is out of sight. Um, right. Well, assuming based on what it I see, it is all um, of it. Yeah. So you know, if you, if you want to see your your chase, then that's the only way of actually seeing it. Whereas a lot of what we're doing, it's in the same field in front of us. We're, we're watching the entire yeah. thing, like you know. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you guys are doing it on a a, a good speed dog keeps them beat down right in front of you, and you guys are running yeah. on small, like you said, hundred by three hundred acre fields. You can see the whole race. Wow. So. Well, yeah. and Seth, like knowing you and your uh memory like you can be like oh yeah pronto turned it three times and then they caught it yeah so i was going to say from the southwestern perspective a lot of guys run gps collars on their sight dogs here a lot of them do i don't because i don't need to my dogs are they they come back to me very well but if you're running in heavy cover if you're running in an area where there's lots of fences and your dog buggy or your truck is going to get stopped it's nice to have that insurance on them that if they go running after, say, a rabbit and they go under two fences, take off through a creek, come out the other side, and they're, you know, a mile and a half away from you, they're disoriented now. Even if you're honking or you're yelling or whatever, if they're on their way back to you and they see another rabbit, they're gone and they're going to go in that direction now. And then they can yeah. get lost and disoriented on those huge fields pretty easy. So it yeah. is nice to be able to have that insurance policy that you can look down and you can uh, go find your dogs. And I've been on several hunts where we did have to use our GPS collar. The hound got turned around. He got lost and it was a big coyote dog and he was going the wrong way and he was leaving the town and he was running looking for us, but he just couldn't, he was going the wrong way. He got turned around and we caught him five miles later. And when he heard the vehicle, we got on a County road and flew down the road. When he heard our vehicle, he turned around and came to us. He was looking for us, but yeah, it, would been, it would have been bad to lose him. We're talking about dogs like Seth. You're talking about dogs 
Prano, what's he cover a mile? A minute and 30-some seconds? Yeah, yep. So he can run a minute and 38-second mile. So they're out of your range so quick. And we're hunting on prairie that's 20 miles by 20 miles, you know. So they're, they can cover some serious ground. And if you're on foot, they can get out of your sight very quickly. So anytime I'm hunting on public land, I'm on foot. So I try to just get the binoculars up and get on high ground. But my dogs come back really good to a whistle. So I usually just give them plenty of time and they show up. Sometimes I got to give them a little time, but they do always come back. So, yes. But it, to answer the question, circling all the way back around, GPS collars on sighthounds here in America are in wide use. So, okay. The GPS collars in terms of locating a dog are in use a little bit here for certain applications but they're not um they're not widespread and it's not no one's using them to see where the dogs run just where the dog is with its kill hmm. if that makes see, sense yeah 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 it's the, it's, the, it's the distances really that are key and those things are expensive yeah so if i don't i i don't use them because i don't have to but if i felt like i needed to i'm gonna get one <laughs> my dogs are worth more than the collar definitely right, right. so yeah, we put a gps a on us uh, we, we put a GPS on us when we're hunting on private land and we can use our buggies. And it's fun, like Lauren said, exactly. We can kind of mirror the chase with our buggy because we're following the dogs. And it is cool to see all the curly cues and twists and turns that we take following the dogs. And they do even more following the hare. So that's pretty yeah, fun. I agree with you, Lauren. That's what that's I fun. think is like super cool to see. Like I just, I like the picture that it shows. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you just uh, invest in a, in a, alpha system and then just pair pair the uh, handhelds together you you're talking pair, to me yeah you can pair the handhelds together and that way you, can you pair the gps's that you're using now um so i don't really know much about those garmin collars to be honest i don't have never i've never used one so you're speaking chinese to me but yeah. the, my, well, my buddy he just had one collar with he had one receiver with four dogs on it okay yeah, yeah, so, so yeah. we you can you can share handhelds with each other. Right. So oh. like you can track a handheld like like it's a dog collar. Right. Oh. Huh. Yeah, I did it's, not know that. it's pretty neat. Uh because when you pair up everybody in the group and somebody has going on foot, you can see where they're at. And you can also track their dogs and different things like that. So yeah, it's a pretty neat feature to have there. It'd be it'd be a good investment. I use my alpha handheld even when I'm I don't have a separate GPS that I use while I'm deer hunting or, 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 you know, out West. I just use my alpha Same. all the time. So. Same. I use, I, I use my 320 when I'm doing other things in the woods besides hunting. Yeah. Um, and then I, cause you know, I lose the alpha. So <laughs> 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 I lose a lot of things and I'm like, that's one thing I can't lose. Yeah. What Scott, so. Scott, this, you're talking to Lauren and we'll, Lauren, what does what is your what's the sign your mom got you? Mother of all chaos. It just says mother of chaos. So, okay. you know, like, it, yep. It, it, there's I'm I'm a mess a lot of the times, really. <laughs> but in in the end, I always figure it out, and I learn lessons from that, and yeah. I still get on. So there you That's go. It. There you go. So what's the, uh, I haven't tracked it, Scott, but what are the uh, travel, are there, tra there aren't any travel restrictions between here and the UK, are there? No, all I need is a, um, an ETSA or an ESTA. 
Um, and that's valid for two or three years and costs me 14 English pounds. That's it. Oh, wow. So I literally, yeah. when, when I came to Utah, I got one of them um, two years ago. Um, Travelled over, wasn't stopped at the border, walked straight through. Um, and then when I went back this year, my same answer was valid and again, just walked through. What about, uh, do you need a visa for Mexico or Central America? I've not looked into it. Um, the very possibly would do. I know when I've been to the likes of Australia and stuff like that, I've had to have visas. Um, but I'm, I'm not, su- not sure in terms of South America and Central mm. America. The reason I ask is since we were planning on Mexico in November, I don't know if, if you'd still be available to come back over this fall to the to the States and, and uh, maybe take in some hunting with, with us here. I, I've got a camera and I'm willing to travel. And literally, <laughs> if it's if it's dog work, yeah, it's dog work I've, I'm interested in. Then, uh, you know, I'm 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 all up for anything. Seth, you and you and Scott ought to trade some information there, and and uh, that's if, what I was thinking. Yeah, sidehound, yeah. two sidehound guys, coursing dog guys. You guys could really have a blast down there in New Mexico. Scott, yeah, you're gonna love it, bud. Definitely, yeah. Be interested in. So I got a question. What were you up to in Utah? I think so I was, know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, we were driving around line, uh, mountain lion hunting. I was with the with a descendant of Smoke and Bear Emmett, um, Tyler Bowler hunting. Tyler Bowler Outfitters. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. I had a, had, a, had a great time. To be honest, the, the hospitality there was second to none. Um, totally enjoyed seeing the, the the hounds work. You know that line that he's had. All the way down from Smoke Hemet, the same running the same blooded dogs, mm. and it's just it's just yeah. interesting to to be able to speak to someone who's you know third fourth generation, um, and awesome. all, all the stories and that sort of thing. And see, just see, just seeing the vastness of what you guys are hunting, you know that that's that opens your eyes to just just what there is out there when you know when when you're used to these hundred yard two hundred yard fields, and then round every corner you've just got another. Like incredible view. It opened my eyes because I just hunt little farm patches here. Mm -hmm. I mean, big compared to what you're hunting, but still little. And then when I get out to New Mexico and the Navajo Nation when we were out there in January, like I had never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And And I I, I couldn't believe um, how much life there was as well. Like we're seeing like 200 deer just next to the road at like. Yeah. Not, not just one herd of 200 deer, mm. like 10, 100, <laughs> yeah. 100 yards up the road, 10, 100 yards up the road, 10. And like, I, I, I can't just go out and see a you, deer. <laughs> you probably wanted to like photograph every single one. And then you realize later, you're like, wait, this is a dime a dozen. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what happened. That, um, I, took a photo <laughs> of, I took a photo of a few and then thought, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> <laughs> put my camera away and then you know next next minute you, you drive around the corner and it's just uh, um i think it's mule deer they have out there was just stood oh, in this yeah. in this in this opening just staring at me and it, it couldn't have been more photogenic and my camera was in my bag <laughs> right it's okay scott <laughs> the first time i saw a mule deer i was taken aback too and i wanted to take all the pictures yeah they're so beautiful they are they're yeah. so beautiful so, that's animal. all we have here so i love mule deer are my my hometown deer and mm-hmm. we do have a very healthy population. Scott, if you come out here, 
I'll take you around as a wildlife biologist. I get the hookup on lots of uh, knowledge of where they live, and we'll we'll see um, African oryx and mule deer and Persian ibex and all kinds of cool stuff. Not to mention, we'll run some dogs, and I'll uh, I got some private property friends that let us use our buggy, so I'll strap you in on the buggy, and we'll see how you do at 50 miles an hour hanging out the side of the buggy for pictures. I'll hold you to it. Yeah. You need you need a ra- you need a racing harness in that thing, no not kidding. just like. In Any a kind of regular seat, yeah. Nah, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that's definitely had... something that I'm uh, that I'm interested in. It's something I've put thought into before. You know, I, I've I've long had an interest in running um, even coyotes with stag arms, and I've I've, mm-hmm. I've I've thought myself to get to get the photos that I I want to be getting. I'm probably going to be have to be hanging off the window with these pickups that these guys are driving to get low enough. Yeah, yeah. We and need to thing, we but... need to plan a winter trip. Okay. So after the first of the year, we could get him hooked up with Scotty Williams to chase coyotes with his stag hounds. Uh, he could see, and then we could drop down into Catula and pick up a hunt with Shorty Gorham and pick up, a, you know, pick, spend a few days over in your country, Seth, and run, run your side hounds as well. Yeah, and that'd then, be one and- very long loop. <laughs> it would be, but... It, it's not that it's it's a long loop for you. I've been to Montana three times this year and getting ready to go again on Monday. So, very true, very yeah. very true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of coyote hunting with sight hounds here in New Mexico too. So, Scotty, I already know Scotty. He's going to be totally in, and we'll make a good loop and we'll see lots of dogs running because I got friends all over in the the Western United States that we could add into that loop if we ever could make time, but. You guys need to, someone needs to do my work. You know what I'm saying? I think we could manage a week trip. That'd be sweet. Yeah. I would love it. I um, actually know someone in New Mexico, I think, who, who invited me out to go and run um, staghounds with coyotes, even with staghounds. Um, Who's he's that? Ve- he's very private, so I'll, I'll maybe oh, send, gotcha. send you his name after the fact. Um, gotcha, gotcha. But, but yeah, he, um, I did have an, an invite out there that I was hoping to get over there and do. Well, so you got one you, now that's not so private. <laughs> <laughs> so you photographed a lot of different working dogs. Yeah. Um, it's probably hard for you to say a favorite. You know, there's always something new that you get to see. But not what is like what's what's like your top three? Without doubt, um, favorite dog I've seen uh, is a Wheaton Terrier. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with them. Yeah, they use them as pets here. <laughs> yeah, so um, they're, they're, they're effectively, effectively, they're a pit bull in, in long, long fair. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're a fairy pit bull, uh, and they were bred to go down a hole and draw out a badger and kill kill the badger down the hole. And I was fortunate enough to see that in Europe. Um, and you know that that's there's some power in them animals, and it's it's quite breathtaking to watch. Yeah, a badger that, is so tough. Like. Wow. Can you yeah, imagine? Uh, so, so, was, so we see the badger holes and everything up here, and I'm like, man, wouldn't that be so cool? And I'm like, I mean, not digging for a whole day, but then the end result would be so cool. And then people are like, yeah, you don't want your dog getting in a fight with a badger. <laughs> our <laughs> state, our It's our state animal as well. So. Yeah. So I went to France, and we like just on a badger digging trip. Um, so we were using Patterdale Terriers, you, you let them go, they go down the hole. Um, over in France, it's illegal to use, you know, like a locator collar. So what, what you guys may know as like an avalanche t- 
type of collar for locating people in avalanches. Mm-hmm. Um, it's illegal to use them over there, so they're using all traditional methods. Um, I'll get a picture wow. over of them, of them doing that. So what, what so they're using... The... Go, on, go ahead, sorry, Scott. No, no, so go what, ahead. What they're using is they, they've got... They're specifically using dogs that bay rather than dogs that will mix and dogs that will fight with the badgers. So they're only breeding from dogs that will go down the hole and just bark at the badger, bark at the badger, bark at the badger. And then above ground, they're using a, a listening stick, effectively. Yeah. Um, it's just a long metal pole with something you can rest your ear on at the top. And, you know, I had a go with this, and you put your ear to it, and it sounds like you're in the tube. And, wow. Yeah, and That's it, so cool. It, it actually ended up being 2.4 metres deep. And this, this stick Whoa. itself is only three and a half foot long, and you're only putting it in the ground six inches whoa that's so cool yeah. yeah and then to locate the tubes they're using the vining rods in the same way you would for water um so you literally hold the divining rods the way you're meant to hold them and as you're walking along they cross as you cross across the um the badger tubes if that huh. makes sense so yeah you can, that's you can, crazy you can, you can locate the tubes if you wanted to you could completely map out an entire badger set hmm. um and it's just because they're using dogs that are baying rather than what would have been used over here, which would be dogs that are willing to, you know, have a go at the badger. They're still pull them out. To, yeah, yeah they're still, well, not even, not even pull them out, just go down there and, you know, bite the badger and get bit and, you know, bite the badger, get bit. Um, they're still allowed to do it because none of their dogs have got any sort of scarring. Whereas you see, you see these dogs that are, you know, being found as being used for illegal badger baiting over here. And, you know, they've got no chins, they've got missing teeth, they've got no noses. Um, wow. And, <laughs> and that, that's, a lot, that's a large part of why it's illegal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, think it, I think if we'd have adopted them sort of rules where we'd have just banned locator collars and we'd have just went down the route of, you know, Europe, then without doubt, well, not without doubt, but I personally believe that we'd still be doing it here. Mm. So do you just pluck the dogs out when they have the badger bayed, like, or, or do you have to dig the badger out? Like, I don't, I don't get like, what's the two, okay. Two point, yeah. two point four meters digging down, and and you yeah. It's How far? two point four meters. Oh my goodness. That's so deep. Yeah, that that, that's not that's not just two point four meters deep by like two foot wide. You're talking, you know, two point four meters deep by two meters wide. You know, the hole, <laughs> the hole's got to be. That's what I said. Digging all day does not sound fun. Wow! No, oh I, my I, gosh! I, I I enjoy it, but it's I I I wouldn't do it as my main hobby. I don't think um, it's it's, it's I, I can't I can't fathom. That's like the people. best workout ever. You're gonna be the buffest houndsman in the oh, world. Oh yeah, the, these lads have hands like like bloody basketballs and you know big arms, <laughs> <laughs> and and they live for it. You know, you they, they hear that dog baying and just you know. Time to work. And, yeah, and you want to make sure you take plenty of friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, in in um, in France, they actually have like hunting teams. So if you if you want to if you want to dig badges in France, you have to go out with the the president of the French Terrier Work like association over there, and he has to say that yeah, you're you're you know capable of doing it safely and humanely, and and mm-hmm. then you get your license. Um, and then you you have your own team of whatever five six people, for example, and you'll you'll always go out with that team. And you know that's, that's pretty cool not, because it's done that way. You know it's done right. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I This is my favorite thing about this podcast is I'm just like sitting here trying to imagine all this in my head right now, and it's really fun. Yeah, I, I sit back and I visualize everything he says. Yeah, that's my favorite thing about the actual, you know, traveling and photographing it, you know. It's stuff like when you, when someone says to you, do you want to go badger digging in France? You're like, yeah. You think, how different is it going to be to what, what's happened here in the past? And then you get over there and you learn so much that wow. you, you never dreamed about. You know, I, I never got over there and dreamed that I'd be using the vinyl rods to locate tubes and yeah, that's so stuff crazy. like that. Yeah. So that was your favorite. What's your second favorite? <laughs> well, my favorite was the wheat interior. Um, my second favorite dogs that I've seen were probably them uh, Petit Bassett, Griffin, Ben Deans, just because they're, they're, they're such little characters. Um, and on a day out with them, I think we had we had 50 rabbits. I think we had about seven hares, and we had a couple of deer. Um, this was a long time ago. And, you know, for little, wow. dogs, that, for little dogs that are just a bit bigger than a terrier, you know, that's some going. Um, yeah. So it's, Dang. It's, it's little troopers. The, yeah, they the really are such good dogs to be out with and enjoy. Um, and, you know, you, you, a couple go missing because they disappear down by your sets. <laughs> but <laughs> but you, then, you do end up getting them back. Um, and, then, wow. you know, in, t- in terms of what, what my third favourite would be, as I said, I don't think you can, in terms of sight hand work, I don't think you can beat running deer. I think, you know, not, not on gets my adrenaline pumping. Not on would get my adrenaline pumping more yeah. than, he, than hearing them hooves running past me. Oh, yeah, that'd be so sweet. You know, with just, just one one single-handed lurcher behind it. You know, I think that's um, I think that's a test of a dog, and, I'm, you know, I like that. So I, if a hard... dog... Oh, if ahead, a dog Dan. were to do that, sorry, if a dog were to do that, I mean, when you're coursing something, you're taking that animal down from what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Is that is that lurcher or staghound taking that deer down? Yeah, so a young and experienced dog, um, most of the time will try and just grab whatever they can grab. Um, but the more a dog gets experienced, the more they develop a knack for it, you know, a skill. Um, and eventually... A, a good dog will learn how to trip the trip the deer up using its nose, using its teeth, you know, on the on the back legs, and the deer will fall and then, you know, straight on the throat. Okay. Lauren, I have lots to show you. You're gonna and learn I'm, how tough these dogs are. They are. I'm not super saying they're not tough. tough. I just it, never yeah. knew, like, it, how that worked. It gets a lot of stick as well. You know, people saying that people are just doing this and then they're just standing around letting the dogs just chew on this deer that's in, in pain you know it, it that could not be further from the truth in reality what what's happening is the dog's dropping a deer within you know within seconds their owner is over there you know and they're, they're killing a deer you know they're killing a deer humanely they're killing the deer, deer efficiently mm-hmm. the, the deer hasn't been shot and left and you know mortally wounded left to run on it mm-hmm. might be more efficient than even some hunting over here where you know a deer gets lunged and you know goes for however long that's it yeah and, and it happens you know you know you get these people who, who purely shoot rifles and they get on the high horse or lurch them in this lurch them in that um they shouldn't be doing this they shouldn't be doing that the meat tastes different because of the adrenaline blah de blah you know you get a good dog you know obviously there's there's people 
in the game who were in it for the wrong reasons and the dogs aren't the best and you know they get there and the, the video and the deer being mauled by a dog and you know that isn't ideal and they're, they're the sort of videos that make it out and they're the sort of videos that you know crucially do so much damage to the sport yeah but you know we talk about that a lot yeah the lads who are out there doing it properly yeah and getting over there and killing the deer straight away and gutting the deer and taking the deer home and it's it's no different to the guy who goes out and shoots the deer. Ultimately, it's the same goal. They're both enjoying the hunt for what the hunt is. The, literally, the only difference is one man's passion is that he likes watching dogs do what dogs are bred to do. And another man's passion is he likes to stand a mile away and, you know, well, yeah, pull the trigger. We, we are real careful. We talk about this a lot, Scott, you know, as far as as a hunting community as a whole. We kind of pigeonhole ourselves. You know, we say, I'm a bow hunter, or I'm a deer hunter, or I'm a rabbit hunter, or I'm a houndsman, when really we're all hunters. And, and we've got to bridge those gaps in this hunting community if we're yeah. going to continue to protect it. And we have to be able to be objective about the way another person chooses to hunt. And yeah. we can't, like you put it, get on your high horse and think that my way is the best way. Uh, we have to find the common good in all of it and and celebrate hunting as a whole community rather than just getting tunnel vision on what we do. And then I call it elitism. You know, the, yeah. we get elite, we become elitist with the way we hunt when really the way I hunt is no, the the foundation of why I'm hunting is no different than the way somebody else hunts. So yeah. we have to be very, very careful. And it seems like that, uh, I think it's getting much better as far as the perception of houndsmen. And I think some of that, I think it's going to continue to get better when you hear, we get a lot of people listening to this podcast now that aren't necessarily houndsmen, but we'll get correspondence back and forth. You know, hey, thanks for putting this podcast out or, you know, stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. kind of opens their eyes people that aren't necessarily houndsmen so yeah well and he also he also mentioned you know there's there's guys over there that are posting videos of stuff that shouldn't be posted and you know we try not to do it's not just videos there's just so many idiots in the um, in the ledger (laughs) game there's it's there's no other way of putting it you know there's lads going out right they're killing they're killing stuff they shouldn't be killing and they've got public Instagrams and they're posting the pictures on the public Instagrams or they're going on public Facebook groups and they're posting the pictures on public Facebook groups. And that literally serves no beneficial purpose to anyone. It's it's only negatives. And we get a lot of flack from the aunties as it is. Um, you know, I, I, I do my utmost best to not post anything that could be used in a harmless way, in a harmful way even. Um you know, we're only allowed to hunt rats and rabbits, and I only post pictures of dead rats and rabbits. You won't find anything else other than, you know, game birds and pigeons or whatever on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Because I'm because I'm very aware that whilst I haven't got a massive audience, it, it's an audience nonetheless. And for me to just assume that aunties aren't watching me and monitoring what I'm doing, it, it'd right. be ridiculous. Um, they monitor equally, everything. You know, there was yeah, a, but, finish your thought there, Scott, and then I got one. But equally, these idiots who are posting these pictures, you know, they're essential because if the police are going to go after anyone, you know, they, they choose the easy target. <laughs> right. 
Right. <laughs> yeah. My thought is, okay, so there's this video that's been floating around on social media of these two Hispanic boys that club a lion, okay? Mm -hmm. And I've seen houndsmen on different hound groups here rise up and say, you know, this is unethical. We shouldn't be showing this. Let's not show this video. Uh, you know, anybody that would kill a lion with a club, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're taking exception to that video, but I've actually gone in and looked at some of these people's profile that have made those comments because I can be a, like a lurcher like that, you know, and go, <laughs> go check them out. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they'll have videos of, of stuff that, that is just as damaging. But the, the thing that I took notice of, for one thing, these two Hispanic boys that are doing this, those aren't hounds. They're probably, they're probably, their dogs, their, their stock dogs cornered this lion and now they're killing it. We have yeah. no, we have no context of what was going on outside of that, you know, 30 second video. And yet houndsmen are sitting back passing judgment. So my message is think about the people that have absolutely no experience with hunting with dogs and yeah. what they think about everything you post on social media. And yeah, that is, that's the thing that, that jumped off the page at me when I started looking at this and reading this, I was going to write an article about it or talk about it on the podcast, but you know, we're trying to pass judgment in a different culture and, and we don't know the context of which that line was killed like that. And yet, we think it's okay. Well, my dogs are just doing what they're bred to do. I ought to be able to show this. We have to be able to be objective about this and think about it. Yeah. I um, I don't know what it is, but I just don't have any sort of inclination to show anyone what I'm up to, really. Um, I don't mind showing rats. I don't mind show, showing... Um, You're pretty safe with rats. Yes, rats and rabbits. No <laughs> bats and I live, but I think... I think and in this day and age where, you know, it's banned, it's illegal. I think if, if you're posting pictures of you stood with a deer or you stood with a fox or whatever whatever your game is, then there's there's not another. It's for no other reason than to pander to your own ego. Um, and all it does is damage you for everyone else. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's everyone else looking at it, you know, the ones who aren't from a similar mindset, just kind of, but, you know, be be gutted yeah. by it, be, feel let down in a, in a way by, by these lads who are, you know, fellow hunters, fellow dogmen, and, you know, just letting us down. And, and we not, may not be able to ever change an anti-hunter's view. They're probably always going to be that way. But there's the people that really aren't educated on any of it and aren't anti or aren't pro, and that's who we need to influence or exactly. just... Yeah. The, the neutral crowd, the crowd that doesn't feel one way or another about it, but the way we present ourselves can help them develop either a positive or a negative opinion of what we're doing. They're the ones that are going to carry the day at the polls to elect officials and, and make decisions. It's not going to be yeah. the the 5% of us that are out there hunting. It's going to be that 85% of the people that, that they just don't want it thrown in their face, you know? And Yeah. And, you know, you guys, like um, the houndsmen, you, you have the, you know, the official organizations representing you. 
Um, but like here in the UK, for, for like the dogmen, the legendmen, the houndsmen, whatever, there's no one. It's it's literally you know every man for themselves, and we have to be thinking about what we're posting and what sort of light we show ourselves to be in. When when they banned hunting in 2005, you know thousands upon thousands of people all marched through London um, in protest, and it made no effect whatsoever. So we don't need, you know, hunting's never going to come back. It's never going to be legal again. It's, you know, I think the government would see it as a backward step in the UK. I, I genuinely do not believe that it'll ever be made legal again. Yeah. All we yeah. can do is try to keep what we've got. Right. You know, and, and we're not going to do that if we if we just keep posting negative images. Right. Right now, it sounds like everything's pretty passive, you know, as far as enforcement on this sort of stuff from from the conversation we've had. But if people want to be, like you put it, idiots about it and throw it up in people's faces, I can tell you that the government is not going to be passive on it much longer. It's it's not so much passive. The, the very much investigations, there's very much lads' houses getting raided, um, DNA, DNA evidence being taken off shovels, um, DNA evidence being taken out of dogs' mouths to see what, what these lads are being killing. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, there's, it is. They are enforcing it. That's um, so okay. However, for, for the large part, like, whilst it's being undertaken, it's not enforceable because the police are... The police are in numbers in the city. No one's hunting in the city. You know, right. Right. people are hunting in the countryside and there's not big numbers of police. The people who are driving around in the countryside understand the ways of the countryside. They understand why people are there. They understand what they're doing. They understand the need for the people to be there. Mm. So it's it's just that it's not an enforceable law um, until after the fact. And then once 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 someone's neighbour doesn't like them and they get them give the police a phone call or whatever, that's when it becomes a problem. Hmm. Okay. That puts a different light on it. Then I was misunderstanding kind of the whole, the whole perception of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely, it's definitely a law that they do take seriously and they do act on. Um, you know, which is which is a shame. But at the same time, have you ever thought about what, relocating to the United States? Oh yeah, if if, <laughs> if, if the right if the right job came up. I'd like I'd, I'd, without, without a shadow of a doubt, I'd be gone. Um, the freedom you guys have got over there to hunt. You know, you can literally do anything you want. You know, boar, deer, mountain lions, <laughs> bear. Right. There's, there's, so, there's so much. I'd, I'd be doing everything. I, I couldn't help myself. Oh, yeah. New you Mexico is a houndsman's paradise here. I mean, there's yeah. so many things to hunt here. It's, it's awesome. Whereas just over over here, we've got the rats and the rabbits, you know. And, like, it might, it might sound like a bit of a... Um, you know, a bit of a tale after what I've, what I've just said. But I, I don't hunt anything illegal anymore just because, you know, I've got, a, I've got a career where I'm responsible for the security on such big contracts where I, I cannot have mm-hmm. any sort of any sort of criminal record and as such, I do my best to stay out of trouble in all aspects of life. Um, sure. And I, I can't afford to risk being out running stuff just for, you know, 30 seconds of pleasure. Whereas right. I could travel, I could travel to another country, see something completely different, have arguably a better experience just for how much I'm learning, what I'm seeing. And, you know, I, I, I'm enjoying that more, you know, creating, creating my, my photos and my artwork. And, you know, I mean, it means more to me than 30 seconds of fun behind a deer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great message. Really, I mean, if you think about it, 
Because I think a lot of American housemen, and and we are under attack. I'm not going to minimize that at all. You know, it's but it's it's refreshing and maybe a little bit eye opening to see and hear where we could be if we don't continue to protect what we've got. Mm-hmm. What, what what you guys totally have got agree with that. is um, it's something special. You know, when, when, from what I've seen, it's. The laws all seem fair. You know, you go to the shop, you buy a tag. You know, that, that it's as simple as that. Apart from the ones, obviously, where you, you draw in your tags and there's raffles for them or whatever. There's lottos, draws, whatever. But, you know, that like, it's just, it's so much better managed and it's it's definitely worth following the laws that you've got over there because what we've got is just so crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's such yeah. a good message, though, because everyone just complains everywhere they're at. And that's why I love to talk to people from other countries because my friends from the Netherlands, they were just blown away at the quality of wildlife. And like just like you were saying, the quality of wildlife and the amount of land we have, public mm-hmm. land to hunt on. Mm-hmm. And they said the same thing. They were just talking about how it's it's so much better for outdoor act recreation here. In the, in Well, we were in New Mexico, so I'm speaking just from my world here, but in America in general. And so it's really refreshing to hear someone just be like, you guys have it really nice and you sh- the laws are good there. Trust us. You know I think, what I mean? Like, I think we take a lot for granted here, Scott. I of, agree. Of how much freedom we actually have. But yeah. we also don't want to let our guard down and let any more of that freedom be eroded because it, no. it, it, definitely. It, we definitely can't afford to lose much more any freedom. Ground. Yeah, we can't afford to lose any more ground. You're right, Lauren. So... But I think it'll be. I think this is a great, great message and a um, a great interview to maybe open some eyes to to how fortunate we are and and why we should dig our heels in and continue to preserve, protect, and promote yeah. what we have. And, and I, uh, I think it's um, it's not just. I think it's not just you guys that have got it good. I think it's just we've got it so bad. You know, when I was in um, France, I liked that the culture out there for hunting. It, it's it's pretty special, you know. We're, we're digging badges like 50 yards from a busy main road, and literally every car that's going past beeps us. The police go past, they beep us. Um, yeah. You know the hunting the hunting team. Every one of their their wives and girlfriends are all friends. You know they're not just spending time together because the partners do. They're all friends, and whilst we're all out hunting, they're all at home together. And then at the end of the day, you're meeting up with the like we were badger digging and we were meeting up with the lads who were out boar shooting and you're spending time having a drink with them, talking right. about their day. And then you go back and you're having an evening drinking wine and eating whatever we were eating. <laughs> like, That's with, what hunting's with, all with, about. Yeah, with yeah. the wives yeah, and be friends and, and don't... Despite, don't... despite sorry, despite sorry, the fact no. that none of them could... Um, like a lot of them couldn't speak a word of English. Like it didn't matter, we all spoke the same language. Yeah. Man, it's a good message. Yeah. I love is it. the language. Dogs is the language. Yeah. yeah. Just like I'm math s- is the universal language. We can all get behind <laughs> dogs. <laughs> That's you it. know, I'm sitting here getting so excited to hang out with all my friends this winter time. And all those relationships I've built with friends hunting is just, it's priceless. And I'm sitting here in, you know, 40 degree C weather. I'm, I'm sitting in 111 at my house here right now. So I'm just sad. I just can't wait. This is getting me so excited, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Glad to be yeah. Can't wait. Well, hey, Lauren, you got any final yeah. thoughts? You got any final thoughts? Um, 
I, I, I just really enjoyed listening and learning. You guys could tell that I was learning a lot. Um, and kind of at the end of this, like, yeah, it's the message that we need to, to remember in the back of our heads and just be a community together. And I don't know. I just, I hope, I hope we can meet someday. You, you can come out here. And, and, and be awkward. I'll, I'll, I'll be over it. Honestly, I, I love it. I love the place. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time over in America and, you know, the more dog work I can see the better. It's, it's just what I want to do. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're going to come from Liverpool anywhere in the United States, then it's a lot, you know, we can meet up with you cause it's a lot closer than, than, uh, you, you did the bulk of the traveling there. So if we, uh, if we can get you somewhere close, then we'd love to sit down and have a pint with you and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, or two. You, so. you can probably, t- you can teach us a thing or two, at least Seth and I probably would in regards to our cameras, that's for sure. That'd be great. <laughs> definitely. That'd, be, that'd be cool. Definitely. Hopefully. Well, yeah, no, that, honestly, definitely, I'm, I'm for any any invite I can winkle my way into it. You know, from, from where I'm from, people people don't have, people don't get afforded these sorts of opportunities. So, you know, the opportunities have been afforded so far, it's, it's incredibly humbling. And when you go out and you meet these people, and the hospitality you receive, and they're so nice to you, and you know it's just it's it's not what you're expecting. I'm incredibly grateful for what I've what I've been given so far, and you know hopefully what the future entails. Well, Scott, do you have do you have any final thoughts you want to share with the Houndsman XP crowd before we wrap this thing up? Um, not, not off the top of my head, no. Just uh, thanks for having me on. Um, oh, it's a pleasure. It's great. Um, People Thank can see you, my, my images over on uh, SA Field Sports Photography on Instagram or Facebook. Um, and then any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch. Yeah, go ahead and tell us tell us your social media platforms again, real quick. So I'm on I'm on Instagram and I'm on Facebook, and both of them I am SA, so that's my initials for Scott Allen, Sierra Alpha, and then it's Field Sports Photography. Field Sports uh, with under with with underscores in between. Um, yes, very possibly. Yep. De- depending on what platform you're on, but uh, okay. I, I well, imagine, for Instagram, I imagine, I imagine there won't be many people with a similar name anyway, so it should it should come up. Okay. Right away, it does. Seth, what you got? Well, uh, first of all, I just googled just by what you said. I just googled and bam, I found you instantly. So it works. <laughs> and <laughs> secondly, I you know I have talked to people from the UK peripherally about things like this, but this is the first time I've got to sit down and actually listen from a, a well-spoken and traveled individual that, I, I, you know, obviously everyone's opinions are gonna be slightly different, but I just thought it was great to be a student and just sit here and listen to what you had to say about all these various topics. And I really enjoyed it. I think you answered all the questions I had quite thoroughly. And uh, I just really appreciated your um, your your worldliness and and your opinions about just hunting ethics and, and things. But anyway, I guess I don't have any final questions. You, you did a great job answering anything I would have thought of, but uh, I really uh, look forward to if we can all meet again, meet one day, that'd be awesome. Um, pretty much a lot of things Lauren said, I was going to say the same, so I'll keep it brief, but man, I've really enjoyed the heck out of this, Scott, and I hope we can stay in touch, bud. Well, many thanks. I um, I hope I haven't done a disservice to the lads at home listening from, you know, the lecture lads. I hope I haven't done anything. And then harm and all that like that, but you know, I appreciate your words, and hopefully I will be over to see it. I definitely very much like it. 
Well, we've got each other on, uh, on the WhatsApp, so we'll stay in touch that way, Scott. I want to thank you for coming on the Houndsman XP podcast. And uh, uh, do you listen to the podcast over there? I do, yeah. Um, I Actually, your first ever episode, um, you released either the day before or the day of. Uh-huh. The date I was traveling over to Utah to hunt mountain lions the first time. So I downloaded I downloaded that and listened to that on the plane, and I've been listening since. Great. Great. I thought you were. So you know how we wrap up every podcast, right? Yeah. Okay, you want to close out the podcast for us? So you run your dogs. And that's how you close it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Help him out, Lauren. <laughs> Help him out, Lauren. All right, we're, we're gonna we're gonna turn out some lurchers here, and I don't know. I've got this new one. Not sure if it's gonna take it out, or maybe they'll bump another uh, coyote. But you'll follow your hounds, and I'll follow mine. Great, there it is. <laughs>